0: Welcome to the Variant Vendetta podcast, a podcast where two variants discuss movies, TV, video games, and pop culture in an attempt to end their vendetta against each other. You can support the show by giving us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Variant Vendetta, or by leaving us a five-star review on your podcast platform. Either way, we are very thankful for your support. My name is Annabelle, and I'm joined by a guy that could make onions cry. Matt!
1: Welcome to the Variant Vendetta podcast.
0: (laughs) Wow! That's fucking rude. Oh my god. I don't sound like that. That is definitely what you sounded like. Nuh-uh.
1: Also, didn't I use something similar to that joke, like, several weeks ago?
0: No, I don't think you did. I didn't even write that joke down. That was off the top of my head.
1: Did you forget? No. That didn't sound convincing.
0: <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. You can't prove nothing.
1: Well, you do remember what movie we're doing this week, right?
0: I do. We are reviewing uh freaking. Okay,
1: apparently you don't remember. No. Cool. That's the end of the podcast, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs> we'll see Let you me next speak.
0: Time. Damn it. <laughs> we are reviewing. A true masterpiece, one of the greatest movies ever made, better than Pulp Fiction, Interstellar. Impossible. Impossible. No, 100% better than Pulp Fiction. It has so much depth, and it makes you fucking think, rather than Pulp Fiction confuses the fuck out of you.
1: Or, perhaps Pulp Fiction makes you think more, and you just couldn't think hard enough to understand it
0: (laughs) okay whatever you say matt
1: but hey this isn't this isn't a comparison for pulp fiction all right we already did that one you hated it we're moving on to interstellar the matthew mcconaughey movie i don't know where i was going with that
0: uh christopher Nolan directed it and it is a true masterpiece I wasn't
1: implying that Matthew McConaughey directed it but he oh, is the I main actor
0: I know I know that I'm just saying Christopher Nolan yeah. yes
1: yes <laughs> that is correct
0: anyway you ready to get into it yeah all right well uh we start off with a bookcase covered in dust and an old woman doing an interview about her father. He was a farmer, but it didn't start out that way. Uh, Then you see a man losing control of a fighter jet, but it was all just a dream. He was woken up by his daughter Murphy, and she tells him that she thought he was the ghost. And he tells her ghosts aren't real. And she says, grandpa says you can get ghosts and he says maybe that's because grandpa is a little too close to being one himself which made me chuckle matthew mcconaughey is so great in this movie he like gives it so much seriousness but also with tiny bits of humor here and there and i love that did
1: you um the interviews at the beginning of the movie do you know what those are
0: yeah they're all the the generation like okay (laughs) matthew mcconaughey's children's generation in this movie that's them older telling about how they came to where they be
1: with all the dust and whatnot that's taking over the planet and all that
0: yeah basically the world is ending by a dirt storm um, blight which kills all their crops so they're running out of food Um, yeah but we'll get into that we will
1: are you sure do you know do you know the the real fact i'm talking about about those interviews
0: maybe what why don't you just tell me
1: (laughs) okay the interviews that were shown at the beginning of the movie where all those um old people are talking about the dust and all that yeah those are real interviews from people who lived through the 30s through the real life uh dust bowl
0: really i didn't know that that's actually really freaking cool wow you just, okay. Take away the show, Matt. Just take it. It's all Sorry, yours.
1: If you're not going to do it, I'll have to step <laughs> in.
0: Hey, that, that was good. I didn't know that. So, and I'm sure a lot of other people that seen this movie didn't know that. So that's, I've got
1: a, I got a handful of fun facts about this.
0: Good. I love fun facts. We all do. Uh, continuing on. She asks... Cooper, the main character, Matthew McConaughey, uh, if he was dreaming about the crash and he tells her to get back to bed, he gets up and looks out the window at this huge dead wheat field. And we hear a voiceover of the old woman telling us the blight came and they had to completely burn the field, Uh, but they still had acres of corn and mostly dust. They had these huge dirt storms all the time. Um, and a big factor in this blight is a plant disease that's typically caused by fungi. I had no idea what that was. So I had to look it up while watching this movie. Did you know like what in, that was? In real life? Yeah. The definition of blight is a plant disease typically caused by fungi. No, I did not. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Pretty cool, right?
1: Yeah, not as cool as my fact, but.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) Uh, We see the family at the breakfast table and Murph asks her dad to fix a little lander toy. And she says she didn't break it. The ghost knocked it off her bookshelf her brother tells her there's no such thing as ghosts and he actually calls her a dumbass which is like whoa that's a little little intense i mean and it's brother
1: sister stuff
0: yeah but older
1: brother younger sister
0: my brothers never called me a dumbass to my face
1: <laughs> it didn't
0: no <laughs> They called me a brat, but they never called me a dumbass. (laughs)
1: Maybe they just didn't want to get in trouble from your parents.
0: I guess. I mean, you're probably right. She tells him that she looked it up and it's called a poltergeist. And her dad says it's not very scientific. And she says, you said science was about admitting what we don't know. Which I fucking loved. She got his fucking ass with that. Like. Come on, science is what we don't know. We have to research it to find out what it is. You know what I mean? Do you think yes. ghosts are real?
2: Um, probably. Probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um,
0: he tells her she needs to record the facts, analyze, get to the how and the why, and then present her conclusions.
1: Are you not gonna say whether or not you think ghosts are real?
0: Oh, 100%. My house was totally haunted growing up. I've had tons of encounters and dreams, and I've felt things touch me that weren't there. Uh, I 100% believe in ghosts, definitely. I actually, okay, story time. Um, Growing up in my house, in my hometown, We lived out back in the woods and behind this church. And you could see the cemetery from my bedroom window. And there's been multiple occasions that I thought I've seen like a face out by the gravestones out my window. But that's not the story I was telling. One night I was going to bed. It was like two o'clock in the morning and the hall light was on, which was not unnormal because my mom stays up pretty late a lot and so I had cracked my bedroom door for the cats to come in and out and I'm laying there and all of a sudden it gets really brighter in my room and I'm like oh maybe the cats just push the door open and so I open my eyes and I see the door push open and I hear like like it sounds like children running around my bedroom and then the door slams closed.
1: Maybe you just have really weird cats.
0: They can close <laughs> a door. My cats can close a door. I've no seen my way. cat
1: do some pretty questionable things. He can open doors. I don't know. He hasn't he hasn't really learned how to close them, but
0: <laughs> it's no, there's absolutely no way a cat could have closed that door no way so yeah I just kind of laid in my bed and got under the covers and like did not move because I was terrified
1: oh yeah I I would have been petrified
0: (laughs) yeah I was fucking terrified I was like it was like that teenage uh thought process of if they're under the covers they can't get me (laughs) but yeah (laughs) ghosts are real I believe in them 100%. And then like my mom's had a couple of occasions in that house where she's like felt things touch her back and she'll like randomly smell cigarette smoke, which her dad, my grandfather smoked like three packs a day. So he was a huge cigarette smoker. So she would like randomly smell cigarettes and none of us in the house smoked at all. So it was like, there's no way that there would be cigarette smoke in the house. So how do you explain that? Cat I don't know.
1: Maybe one of your brothers secretly did smoke, or maybe the fact that your mother was so used to the smell after having grown up with it for so long that sometimes, you know how like randomly you, you just smell popcorn. You're like, Oh, it smells like popcorn, but there's no popcorn
0: No, I've never had that happen. You've
1: definitely had that. Everybody has had that happen.
0: I have not had that
1: happen. Anyways, I've experienced that and I've seen other people in person experience that where they're like, hmm, smells like popcorn. You smell the air and it does. But there's no popcorn around.
0: I've never had that happen to me. shit happens. (laughs) no I it was my brothers had already moved out it was just me her and my stepdad none of us smoke
1: okay then yeah maybe your cats were running a secret underground poker (laughs) ring
0: I wouldn't be surprised (laughs) anyway back on topic
1: oh we're doing a movie
0: yeah Yes, we're recording. I mean, we could just sit here and talk.
1: No, that's, that's for another episode at a later <laughs> time.
0: <laughs> okay, spoilers. <laughs> um, we cut to them getting in the truck, going to school for a parent-teacher conference. And Cooper looks out and sees it's not a dust storm that's out there. It's the neighbor farmer burning his crops of okra because of the blight and that is the last crops of okra ever on the earth whatsoever uh donald cooper's father-in-law tells him to be nice to mrs hanley she's single and that he needs to pull his weight and repopulate the earth the Even man already though, has
1: two kids
0: yeah he already has <laughs> two kids what do you mean
1: a Come male on. and a female
2: too
0: yeah come on come on
1: not that they should repopulate themselves but with other people
0: yeah but i mean he's already done his part he doesn't need to have any more children he's already done his part
2: yeah i thought that too
0: maybe he just didn't want him to be lonely anymore
2: he's got two
1: kids and a old man he's he's not lonely
0: You're right. You're right. I don't know. You want
1: him to fuck.
0: (laughs) In-laws, man, they always think that they have an opinion on your life, and they don't. They pop a tire on the way and get out to fix it when a plane flies by, and Cooper tells them to jump back in the truck. They start following it, tearing through cornfields. Cooper says it's an Indian Air Force drone and these solar cells could power an entire farm. They almost drive off a cliff following it. And from what I gathered, they used like a radar type thing to hack it and take control of it. And Cooper tells them Delhi mission control went down at the same time as the U.S., So that drone has been flying around for 10 years, just doing nothing but flying in the air.
1: Don't even know how that's possible.
0: I know. You think at some point it would just stop.
1: I mean, like, I don't know what kind of fuel that thing is running on.
0: Yeah. What? But Yeah.
1: And the way they hacked it, too, like... I, we're already we're already nitpicking this movie for things that don't make sense and it and it only being the drone that's been flying around for 10 years god wait till we get to towards to like the third act of this movie
0: shit's oh. going to be crazy <laughs> <laughs> shit really don't make sense
1: <laughs> also neither of us are astrophysicists or scientists or any of that shit so don't take anything we say too seriously because we have no idea what we're talking
0: about Oh, yeah.
1: We're just here to watch a movie and talk about it.
0: (laughs) I um, actually wish that I was an astrophysicist. That's been like my dream ever since a child to work for NASA and be an astronaut. But sometimes the cards don't line up and that's it's just not likely. So I wish I was, but we most certainly are not. So don't listen to anything we have to say.
1: (laughs) Or do. And maybe be more educated yeah when when we're right but i bet that probably won't be a whole lot
0: probably not <laughs> uh but yeah i don't understand how the fuel like is it electric i don't get it eventually it's got to run out of batteries i mean if that thing,
1: yeah if that thing was electric and not running on any kind of fuel still i don't know if its batteries could have held out for 10 years
0: yeah that's wild and then still have enough to like power an entire farm like cooper said that's wild to me yeah and he like puts the whole thing in the back of his fucking truck too how heavy do you think that it
1: wasn't the whole thing
0: it was pretty good it was like
1: it looked like one of the wings and then like the the nose end of the of the uav
0: but still how heavy you think that thing is
1: probably pretty heavy yeah i don't know how they got it in the bed of the truck if that's what you're getting at or how the truck was able to carry it
0: maybe both
1: well their truck was a was a dually so it can carry it can carry it can carry a pretty good amount of weight but i don't know how the three of them got that shit in the bed
0: i know There's no way that thing's gotta be like at least a ton
1: or how they managed to cut the nose end and a wing off, get it in the bed of the truck, strap it all down, get back through the cornfield and make it to the school before. Like, I don't know it when they show up, it seems like they're like maybe 10 or 15 minutes late. It's like, there's no way you did all that in in that short of time.
0: And weren't you already running late to school? (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, not the parts we need to nitpick continuing. on, (laughs) Um, They get to the school and Tom has class, but Murphy has to wait. And she tells Coop he's not going to be mad with her. Uh, He goes into the meeting and they tell him Tom's scores say he's going to be an excellent farmer. And Cooper asks, what about college? And they tell him the university only takes a handful of students and they don't have the resources. Cooper cuts him off saying, we don't have armies anymore and he still pays his taxes. Where is that going? And the principal tells him not to education and that Tom's scores aren't high enough for him to go to school. At what... (laughs) Another thing I have against this movie is, why is there no military? What happened there for there to be no military? I don't understand that. They never explained that.
1: I have no idea either. Um, I mean, the earth is dying. yes, but i I don't know why that would stop them from having a military, especially when... Other countries are probably more willing to raid other countries just to get resources.
0: Yeah, it seems like that would be the time to bulk up on military.
1: Yeah, I didn't really understand that either, but I didn't question it that much either. I just figured, you know, we're pretty far in the future. What shit yeah, happens.
0: <laughs> and it's the end of the world. So, yeah, yeah. that's kind of how I took it.
1: You know that's- what else I would like to nitpick? Where what? I mean, shit. <laughs> We both said we liked this movie, did we really?
0: Um, I, I love this movie, I do. It's just these tiny little things that I'm like, oh, uh, why? This,
1: this principle says we don't need engineers, we need farmers. Wrong. Yeah. You can use engineers to get better at farming, to get better equipment to farm with. Yeah. Like, I think both are pretty important right now
0: yeah both of them exactly exactly you need the engineers to build better equipment because just like cooper completely rebuilds his combines and shit because he was an engineer yeah it's better to be an engineer and a farmer so you can do both just like cooper cooper is the man in this fucking scene i hate the school system in this scene cooper is the fucking man i love him in this so, yeah, they tell him he's pretty much not got scores high enough to go to college. So, he's going to have to be a farmer. So, Cooper asks him what his pant size is and tells him it takes two numbers to measure your own ass, but only one to measure my son's future. And the principal tells him, We don't need engineers. We need farmers because we ran out of food. Just Wrong. like he said. Wrong. Wrong. Yes. <laughs> oh, please don't do that.
1: <laughs> Wrong. We need engineers. My engineers are better than yours. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> uh, have I done an impersonation every episode?
0: I think so. And I'm fucking <laughs> loving it. I was actually going to ask you to do your best Matthew McConaughey impression.
1: All right. All right. All right. I can't do his. He's weird.
0: All right, all right, all right. No, that was that felt cringy coming out of my mouth.
1: <laughs> it was. Let's let's just move on and act like that oh. never happened. <laughs> oh,
0: God. <laughs> oh man, they move on to Murphy, and she is in trouble because she brought in one of Cooper's old textbooks on lunar landings and was showing it to all the other kids. And apparently this is an issue because the corrected textbooks say the Apollo missions were faked to bankrupt the Soviet Union.
1: That makes sense. <laughs> but do you think that the moon landing is fake?
0: Absolutely not. We definitely went yeah. to the fucking moon.
1: I don't think it is, but I, I do enjoy a good conspiracy theory.
0: Yes, yes. I can see where the people are coming from. It's a valid point. She goes on telling Cooper she believes the moon landing was propaganda to make the Soviets pour money into rockets and useless machines, which I understand, because during that time, we had a huge thing with Russia. We did not like them. (laughs) Um, but We still don't. We still don't, yes. But... How are you going to tell me we did not go to the moon? I, are you going to tell me that the Earth is flat next?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something, but I didn't want to spoil the uh, later part of the movie.
0: Okay. You want to bring it up later when we get there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, but um, do you think the Earth is flat? No. Thank you. Thank you. I'd, I have a cousin who thinks he is dead set on the Earth being fucking flat. And I'm like, where? how many brain cells did you kill? Because I do not understand why you think the Earth is fucking flat.
1: Look at that shit.
0: Does that yeah. look flat to you? <laughs> Matt yep. has the Earth on his TV in the background right now. That shit is a sphere, okay? Like, I don't, we've sent cameras into space. We've sent people into space. Even if you don't believe that we went to the moon, we still went to fucking space, okay? You can see the earth is round. I don't get it. I don't.
1: Uh, Everybody listening to this, send us your favorite conspiracy theory that has not been confirmed that you actually believe.
0: Please. Yes i love conspiracy theories maybe so we I. can like talk about it one day talk about just a bunch of conspiracy theories
1: personally i think somebody needs to make an anthology series where every episode tells a different conspiracy theory but in that episode the conspiracies theory that they're going over the events actually happen according to what the theory says rather than what actually happened in real life wouldn't that be oh. fucking awesome
0: yeah that would be pretty (laughs) cool (laughs) wow oh anyway let's get back on the rails to this movie that we're reviewing I
1: said I said Pulp Fiction was going to be our longest episode and I was sorely mistaken I genuinely think this is going to be it
0: this is definitely I was thinking that the other day just watching it I was like oh my god this is going to be a long one Just because there's so much information and so many ifs and hows and whys and unanswered questions. And we could just go off on so many tangents like we've already had with the fucking earth being flat, going to the moon. Like, it's just this is why it's one of my favorite movies, because it sparks all these different conversations that we don't fully know the answers to. And I like that.
1: Yeah. It's also going to be a lot longer because there's a lot that happens in this that we're having to explain. Yes. Without the help, without visual help.
0: Yes. Which
1: is, which is not going to be easy. But, no,
0: it's not. I'm actually really glad that I got the first half of this movie. You're <laughs> going to have a real fun time describing the third act.
1: <laughs> I think I did pretty good with it.
0: We'll see. We shall see when we get there. Um, Cooper, being a man of science, is absolutely pissed off because one of those useless machines she mentioned is an MRI. And if we had any of those, we they would have caught the cyst in his wife's brain before she died. The teacher tells him she's sorry about his wife, but Murphy got into a fist fight over the Apollo nonsense, and they wanted to bring him in to talk about what he can do to help her at home. This next thing he says made me pump my fist in the air. Like, yes, he goes, She's going through a baseball phase and her favorite team is playing tomorrow night. There will be candy and soda. And I think I'm going to take her to that. Yeah. I fucking love that. She does not deserve a punishment for bringing in something that sparks questions. Like that makes no fucking sense. And why, why are kids fighting about it?
1: regardless of whether they think that the moon landing happened or not it's still a part of history and still needs to be explored in education
0: yeah like and it's still you can still learn something from it it's still science it's still it just makes no sense as to why that would be something that she got in trouble for she actually gets suspended cooper gets her suspended (laughs) because he's such a smart ass with them but they deserve it they fucking deserve it like she did not deserve to be in any type of trouble whatsoever maybe because she got in a fight but not over bringing a textbook to school yeah at least she didn't bring drugs like it's ridiculous or she's not bullying somebody there's so many other things to get in trouble for it's so stupid Uh, When he goes back to the truck, he tells Murphy that he got her suspended, and then he gets a radio call that the combines he rebuilt went haywire, so they go to check it out, and Cooper is confused looking at the combines, and they think something is wrong with the magnetism of the compass. They walk inside the house and hear a loud thud, and they go upstairs to see the books have completely fallen off of Murphy's bookcase. And she says, it's nothing special about which book, but she's been counting the spaces, wondering if the ghost is trying to communicate using Morse code. We cut to them at the ballgame, talking about Tom's future when everyone has to leave because there's another dust storm coming, which is actually quite scary. It kind of reminds me of like a tornado coming. Like, the alarm and everything. It's quite terrifying.
1: Not as aggressive, though.
0: Uh, I don't know. They're, like...
1: I mean, it's not tearing shit apart. It's just layering stuff in dust.
0: Yeah. And, like, you can't breathe. Or see. Yeah, he was driving that truck through that thick-ass storm. I'm like, how can you see anything? I can't see shit.
1: Did you notice that the team playing was the New York Yankees? And it was, like, that little small, like, field. It wasn't the big stadiums or
0: anything. I didn't notice the team, but I did notice it was, like, a really small field. Like, back in the day when baseball first started, it kind of looked like that, which means that the earth kind of went and shut down for a little bit, and then they slowly brought back civilization.
1: So do you think that this is the actual New York Yankees, or is it just a team playing as the New York Yankees? Like just a little, not major league, but um, like I guess a minor league team playing as the Yankees? Because it is New York Yankees, and they don't look like they're in New York.
0: They don't look like they're in New York, but I think it might be the actual New York Yankees just because – shit had to hit the fan at some point. Like we just went through this pandemic, so we were in complete lockdown for a while. I think maybe everything completely shut down for way longer than what we've been going through. And they're just now starting to bring it back. So maybe they are the real like a whole new team.
1: I could see. It. I could see it being the actual Yankees. Yeah. After some shit that happened with the dust or whatever
0: yeah yeah because like in the city because of the skyscrapers the wind blowing through the skyscrapers is like i've never been in the actual city but i've heard the wind blowing through the skyscrapers is like rough because there's not much room to go through
1: Kind of makes, like, tunnels and stuff through the streets.
0: Yeah. So imagine, like, a ginormous dust storm going through that. It would be rough. It would be really bad. They get home, and Murph forgot to close her window in her room. Cooper closes it and sees the dust is falling in specific lines on the floor. I'm sorry, but I
1: have another nitpick here. Yeah. Murphy... What the fuck are you doing? If this dust storm shit was happening in real life, the last thing I would do is open my window, period. And you're telling me you just left it open?
0: She's just a kid. Come on. Maybe she That's wanted some pretty, fresh air.
1: Pretty convenient.
0: She's just Fresh air?
1: Kid. Fresh air doesn't even exist anymore on this earth.
0: <laughs> She's just a kid, okay? I used to leave my fucking door open all the time
1: your door
0: yeah the back door, door like the back door to the house i used to leave that shit open all the fucking time because i'm a kid i'm running right, but around is there a,
1: a dust storm that could literally kill you
0: no but okay. still she's a kid and i'm sure cooper she's a
1: pretty mature kid
0: she is i will give her that she's very smart very mature but cooper Keeps a lot of things from her for the exact reason that she is a kid and she needs to not know that the world is ending. She needs to live her life because she's just going to be terrified all the time. She's not going to be able to be a kid.
1: But you could explain it to her like, hey, there's, you know, we have dust storms all the time. Keep your window closed unless you want your room full of dust.
0: Whatever. (laughs) whatever anyways
1: small small nitpick convenience carry on
0: (laughs) (laughs) um okay so the dust falls in like these specific weird lines on the floor that's not normal uh showing that murphy is not crazy and that something is definitely going on in her bedroom whether it be ghosts or whatever unnatural occurrence the next day comes and cooper is analyzing the dirt on murphy's floor and he tells her it's not a ghost it's gravity as he flips a coin and it is automatically pulled down to the lines of dirt like there was a magnet placed on the floor
1: quarters aren't magnetic though really? <laughs> no nope. are you sure yep
0: is that because they're aluminum? Are they aluminum? What are they made I, of?
1: I forget exactly what they're made of, but it's not magnetic.
0: That's weird. But it's metal, right?
1: Not all metal is magnetic.
0: That's weird. See, I'm not a scientist, so...
1: <laughs> U- U.S. quarters don't have enough of any kinds of... Um, Metals like iron, steel, nickel, or cobalt to be attracted to a magnet.
0: Okay, so then that proves even more that things are fucking weird happening in that bedroom because that shouldn't have just automatically been pulled to the ground like that.
1: Oh, you know what? You know how later in the movie when Cooper's making the watch hand go like that in Morse code? Yeah. He was messing with the lines or whatever. Maybe he did that with the quarter and made it land in a specific spot.
0: Maybe. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. (laughs) He's analyzing the dirt on the floor. Realizes it's gravity. And he realizes the code is not Morse. It's actually binary. And it gives them coordinates. And they find where it's at on a map. And Cooper wants to go see what it is, but he doesn't want Murphy to come with him. So he leaves and he pulls the blanket off the passenger seat, realizing that Murphy stowed away in the truck to go with him. (laughs) And she she was like, I mean, you wouldn't have found this without me. So, yeah, I'm coming with you, which I love that. I love Murphy as a child. Not sure how I feel about her as an adult, but I love her as a child because she's got that smart ass wit that her father has, but she's also smart as hell, man. I wish I was that smart at her age.
1: Like I said, a mature child.
0: Yes, she's very mature. Um, They arrive at a gate and Murph tells Cooper, didn't you bring the bolt cutters? And he responds with, that's my girl which I thought was hilarious that he encourages breaking and entering. <laughs> I guess, is there no law now, too? Like, are there no police or anything?
1: I have no idea. I mean, there's no military, so it wouldn't surprise me.
0: Yeah, we, we never know. We don't know. Um, he goes to cut the gate open and floodlights shine on him and they take them into custody. Cooper is being questioned by an ex-military robot named TARS when they are interrupted by Dr. Brand, who is played by the lovely Anne Hathaway. He tells her he knew a Dr. Brand once, but he wasn't as cute as her, and she takes him to Murphy, and he tells her he knows nothing about that place and that him and his daughter will just go home. And Dr. Brand tells him, yes, you do, as they walk into a conference room where the Dr. Brand Cooper knows the professor is sitting at the table. They explain to Cooper that they're at NASA and it's secret because the public wouldn't allow government spending on space exploration. Dr. Brand explains that the blight took out wheat, potatoes, okra, And very soon corn as their resources. So basically, they're about to run out of food. Like the entire earth is about to run out of food. They're gonna starve. Dr. Brand tells Cooper the Earth's atmosphere is 80% nitrogen. Light thrives on nitrogen. And as it grows, the oxygen becomes less and less. Basically, the more. The blight takes over the crops, so they're all going to starve, and then they're also going to suffocate because they're losing their resources and their oxygen. The earth is literally dying, which watching this at this day and age is kind of like, oh shit, because our earth is actually kind of dying, not at that rapid pace as theirs, but it's still dying
1: a little scary huh
0: it is it is there's a lot of points in this movie that really make you like whoa this could be real this could happen to us and what are we gonna do
1: it's almost like we should get started on that now before it gets too late
0: yeah but you see there's a lot of people in this world that think like global warming's <laughs> a myth which, that's another tangent I don't want to get on, but, yeah. We won't
1: we won't get on that tangent, but we will leave you listeners with a go plant a tree.
0: Yes, go plant a tree. Don't throw your fucking litter out of your car. Throw it in the trash can. Fucking recycle. Reuse your shit. Take care of the earth.
1: And go fill a trash bag up with trash that you find outside. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. That just made me laugh.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I just made myself laugh. (laughs) Okay.
0: He tells Cooper, we're not meant to save the world. We're meant to leave it and shows him a rocket. NASA has been sending people to look for a new home. And Cooper says, there's not a planet in our solar system that could sustain life. And the nearest star is a thousand years away. So where'd you send them? Dr. Brand tells him he's not going to tell him anymore until he agrees to pilot that craft. And Cooper is kind of like questioning him. Like you didn't even know I was alive until I stumbled upon your facility. You were going to go anyway. Why do you want me to pilot it? And he pretty much tells him, you were the best pilot the Air Force had. Um, And he's like being very cryptic and is like, they chose you. And Cooper's like, who's they? And Dr. Brand like gives him this look of he's not going to tell him anymore until he agrees. So Cooper agrees. And they're back in this conference room with all the scientists. And they are explaining to Cooper everything that they've been doing. Now, this next part is a lot of information, so bear with me, and if you need me to slow down or repeat something, let me know.
1: Okay. I have one of those two in, in my section.
0: <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. So 50 years ago, there were gravitational anomalies occurring. And they couldn't figure it out until a wormhole showed up around Saturn, around the rings. And a wormhole is not naturally occurring. So someone had to place it there. And they don't know who. So obviously we're assuming aliens. Whoever they are, they were looking out for them. Because the wormhole leads to another galaxy with 12 potential habitable planets they sent a team of 12 out to each planet with resources to last them two years but they could stretch it with the hibernation pods that they have they could put themselves to sleep for a long period of time and not age or anything which how fucking cool would that be if we had that shit now
1: i mean imagine going Like putting yourself to sleep for two years.
0: Yeah. And wake up and you're still in your 20s.
1: That would be cool to you.
0: Yeah. That'd be fucking lit. You could live forever. What do you mean?
1: You could live forever, but well,
0: not forever. Eventually you have to die. But you could live over a hundred years.
2: I think it'd be a little scary.
0: I could see that. I could see that. But it would be pretty cool. You got to admit that. It'd be pretty cool.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and these scientists were to assess their world. And if it showed potential of a new home for mankind to thrive, they would send out a signal, hibernate, and then wait to be rescued. Now they have two plans for this mission. Because they don't have enough resources to visit all 12 planets that they sent the scientists to. So they have to pick and choose which ones have the most potential to being the next Earth, essentially. Uh, Plan A is they can harvest gravity and use the facility, which is a giant space station that they're building. Uh, But they haven't completely solved the equation yet. And that would take everybody on earth up to space to this new planet. So saving everybody on earth. Plan B is a population bomb, basically. Over 5,000 fertilized eggs. They incubate the first 10 and then use surrogacy with the rest. And within 30 years, there could be a colony of hundreds. So essentially plan A, is save everybody on earth plan b is fuck everybody on earth and start a whole new human race with these fertilized eggs
1: which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me like you're trying to save the people are
2: are you trying to save the people or are you just trying to
1: make humans survive
0: Um, so I think they're trying to do both if they can, like they want to save the people on earth, but if that's not a possibility, they need to come up with a plan to save the human race. So that's what the fertilized eggs are for.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense, but it just kind of, I don't know. It's a little weird to me because like plan B doesn't really. I mean plan B really isn't we're trying to save people on earth from dying it's we're just trying to save humanity from extinction yeah which is just kind of weird
0: it's fucked up it's because it's like
1: up. it's like if if you're just gonna let everybody on earth die why go through the hassle of, of starting a new civilization why not just let us die and that be the end
0: Because we're humans, and like what benefits are cease to exist?
1: What benefit is it going to cost? Like nobody's dying from not making the new colony, but people will die if you don't save the people of Earth. You get what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I understand what you mean. Like, what is the point of saving the human race if you're not going to save the people on the planet? Right? Yeah, I can see that. I see what you mean there. But you have to remember that humans are a special breed and we're very selfish and we very much want to continue to survive no matter the costs, which is really fucked up. But obviously, if the earth is dying, maybe that's a sign that it's our time to go too, just like the dinosaurs. Yeah. Yeah i see what you mean
1: it's a weird concept
0: it is but i mean when you're facing the end of the world you're going to try to do whatever you can to save yourself
1: apparently not they only had two plans
0: (laughs) you're right (laughs) dr brand tells cooper to find them a new home and by the time he gets back He will have solved the problem with gravity so that they don't have to do plan A. They can save everybody on Earth because Cooper is mainly concerned about his children and them having a future and a life and families of their own. They get back home and Murphy is very upset because Cooper is going to leave. Cooper talks to Murphy, telling her he needs to do this so that she can Mm. have a life. And he was chosen for it, and she led him to it. And she tells him that's exactly why he needs to stay. She figured out the Morse code from the books falling off her bookcase, and it only says one word, stay. And she gets very emotional because he's not listening to her. And he just hugs her and tells her he's coming back. She asks when, and he doesn't answer. He just gives her a watch and explains that time is going to move slower for him. When he gets back, they can compare the times. He tells her by the time he gets back, they might be the same age. And that's when she realizes he doesn't know when he's going to be back or even if he'll ever be back, which I don't, I don't like, yeah, I don't like how he handled the situation, but it's kind of like, it's, It's a very hard situation to handle. Like how,
1: if you're trying to make your daughter not upset over the fact that you're leaving for a period of time that you don't know the length of, the last two things you want to tell her is a, you're the one that put me on this course, and b, we could be the same age when I get back. Yes, (laughs) he says stupidest things.
0: The two worst things he could say to her, (laughs) like. like oh this is your fault and also it's gonna be so long by the for you by the time i get back that you're gonna be as old as i am so pretty much i'm gonna be gone your entire life like that's it's super fucked up and then he should have never told her i'm coming back because that gives false hope in a 10 year old child which is why she she gets so angry
1: she needed that, though.
0: But if you think about it, that is what made her such a, I don't want to say cynical, but made her so angry for the her entire life. She was fucking pissed her entire life. She was mad.
1: It's what made her angry. Yes. But at the same time, it's also what pushed her to figure out what she needs to do in order to you know, bring her father back and save the people of earth.
0: Yes. Yes. I get that. But still. A false hope. Don't tell your 10 year old child that you're coming back when you don't even know if you're going to survive this trip, you could die. And you're just telling her I'm going to be back. I will come back. I will be there. It's, it's sad. And honestly, i cried like sobbing ugly cried so many times in this movie because of murphy and like this the child actor that played her she did so good at selling that performance like she made me ugly fucking cry (laughs) a lot couldn't be me (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's right. I'm Matt, and I'm a Marine, and I I don't have feelings. I'm just hardcore.
1: No, this movie just didn't make me cry. <laughs> it wasn't sad. This is also like the fourth or fifth time I've seen it.
0: Me too, and I cry every time. Every time. Every time I cry. Every single time. Anyway. Um. She throws the watch and cries under her covers, and he tells her he loves her forever and that he's coming back. As he walks out of the bedroom, a book falls from the shelf and he leaves, and Murphy bursts out of the house, realizing she made a mistake, but he's already gone down the road. And that is where I started sobbing.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Before we move on, he also does say one more kind of key line to her the part where he says when you become a parent you become the ghost of your children's future or something along those lines yes key line from him that yes. might come up later
0: you're right I apologize that I forgot that there was a lot of information it's hard to catch all of it oh Anyway, uh, we then, after that very heartbreaking scene, cut to Cooper blasting off in the rocket with Dr. Brand, Dr. Doyle, and Dr. Romilly, and TARS, the ex-military robot from before. Uh, They make it out of the atmosphere and lock onto the Endurance Space Station and start spinning, making their way to Saturn. And they should be there in about two years, which is wild to me. Space blows my fucking mind. It's so crazy to me. Two years to get to Saturn and you're moving that slow.
1: And that's like, once you get there, that's the actual beginning of the journey. Not even the trip to Saturn.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, my gosh. We cut to Cooper and Dr. Brand talking as they are all getting ready to hibernate for these two years to Saturn because what else are they going to do? Waste their oxygen? No, they're not. She shows him the three planets that they are going to. Dr. Miller's planet is first, then Dr. Edmund's, and then Dr. Mann. And the rest of the crew goes to hibernate, but Cooper decides to stay up a little bit looking at the Earth and asking TARS the trajectory again, even though it still has not changed. It's like eight months to Mars, and then I think 13 months to Saturn from there. Um, As Dr. Brand is being closed in the hibernation chamber, Cooper whispers to TARS, Dr. Brand and Edmonds, and then Tars cuts him off and is like, Why are you whispering? They can't hear you. And Cooper says louder, Dr. Brand and Edmonds, were they a thing? Were they close? Tars tells him he wouldn't know and that he also has a discretion setting. This makes me wonder Does Cooper have a crush on Brand? Why was he asking that? She Um, didn't really give much. To like hint at that she was in love with Edmonds in the beginning.
1: Well, yes, he does. He literally tells, or he literally says that she's cute earlier. And then.
0: Oh, you're right. You're right. And then
1: this, and then at the end of the movie. I think it's pretty safe to say yes.
0: <laughs> yes. The end of the movie. Yes. But watching in the beginning, you're like, um, is he got a thing for her? A little bit weird. Uh, Cooper then goes to record a video for his kid before he gets into hibernation. Uh, We cut to the professor, Dr. Brand, returning Cooper's truck and his message to the family. And he tells Donald that Murphy is a bright girl and maybe he should fan the flame a little bit. Donald tells him she's already making a fool out of her teachers. Maybe she should make a fool out of him, too. Which I loved that he wanted to bring Murphy back and like teach her all these things about science, which she's clearly not going to get that in the school system. Yeah, I I loved that. Uh, We cut to them arriving to Saturn and Cooper is watching the messages his family sent while he was in hibernation. Sadly, Murph didn't record one at all over these two years. She didn't record a single message for him. Cooper sits and talks to Romilly, and Romilly tells him being in the space station is starting to get to him. Uh, There's just all these aluminum walls, and then out there is just nothing, nothing at all. Cooper makes him feel better by giving him his headphones that are playing sounds of thunderstorm and telling him that some of the greatest yachtsmen don't know how to swim and they're explorers and the space station is their boat. We then cut to a much later time. They are three hours away from the wormhole. Romilly asks Cooper to stop the spinning and shows him the wormhole. They can see it from the space station. Cooper is surprised that it's a sphere and not a hole like in the textbooks. And Romilly shows him that the illustrations of wormholes in books are showing you how they work. Say you want to get from point A to point B, but it's too far. A wormhole bends space so that you can take a shortcut through a higher dimension. To show that, they turned three-dimensional space into two dimensions, which turns a wormhole into a circle on paper. And a circle in three dimensions is a sphere. So that's why it looks like that in the textbooks. But in real life, it looks kind of like a, a black planet. Which I actually didn't know until this movie. That's actually pretty cool. I mean,
1: it makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Once you... I had to watch this a couple times to really fully... Get the information in my brain.
1: <laughs> like, you watched it a couple times for this episode?
0: I had to watch this specific scene oh, a couple okay. times to really understand what they were talking about. I had to do that a couple times throughout this movie <laughs> to understand what they were talking about.
1: How many times did you watch the movie specifically for this episode?
0: I watched it once because it's almost three hours long. Um, but I rewinded it like twenty thousand times. So essentially, I watched the movie twice. Okay, yeah,
1: I only watched it once too, but I did watch a couple (laughs) of, uh, like, a couple of explained videos about it.
0: I did not go that far. I just, I rewinded a lot and then looked a couple things up on the internet, like science-wise. Um, we see them entering the wormhole. And it is absolutely fucking beautiful. Some of the coolest shit I've ever seen. Um, I really hope to see it one day because maybe one day we'll figure out how to not live on Earth anymore. Like I know they're trying to figure out how to live on Mars or something like that. I would love to go to space. That'd be fucking awesome and see all of that. That'd be really cool. Uh, that would they be make awesome. it. Yeah, it would be so cool. Ugh. And honestly, dying in space doesn't scare me one bit. Like I honestly think that might be one of the most peaceful ways because I feel like it's so quick. <laughs> don't look at me like that. <laughs> I don't know if it, I
1: don't know if it's a peaceful death, but
0: it's it's very quick. It happens in a matter of seconds.
2: Yeah, but it's not going to be an easy few seconds.
0: Uh, I don't know. I feel like you're not going to really focus on it.
1: What else are you going to be focused on? I'm
0: going to be looking at all the shit around me. That's what I'm going to be looking at. (laughs) All the stars and shit. That would be so cool. I want to go to space. Anyway, uh, they make it through the wormhole and got all the lost communications that were sent from the other scientists. Miller's and Mann's transmissions keep pinging a thumbs up, and so did Edmund's until it went dark three years ago. Romilly tells them Miller's planet still looks good, but it is dangerously close to Gargantua, which is a black hole with a huge gravitational pull. Landing on Miller's planet will slow their clock compared to Earth drastically. Every hour they spend there is 7 years on Earth. Which is blows my fucking mind. Time and space blow my fucking mind. I will never be able to wrap my mind around it. Insane.
1: I don't also I don't know how realistic that is. Like I said, I'm no astrophysicist or science, but I don't know how realistic it is to go to a different planet where one hour there is seven years on Earth.
0: I don't know about that, but I know that time is, I, it's like they say in this movie a lot, time is relative. We don't know a lot about it. We can't really study much on time. So anything is possible. Honestly, anything is possible with that. It could happen. It could not happen. You know what I mean?
2: Fair enough, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's that's why I love this movie. It makes you think, could that happen or could it not happen? And you don't know the answer and that's okay. It's freaking cool. I love it. I'm a huge nerd. So (laughs) this movie really brings out the nerd in me. Cooper doesn't want to land because there's no point in habitating there if the people on Earth are already dead by the time they finish their mission. Dr. Brand agrees with Cooper and that they need to look at time as a resource, just like food and oxygen. Doyle makes the argument that Mann's and Edmund's planet will take months to get there, but Miller's planet is very promising. Cooper comes up with a plan to take the endurance around Gargantua parallel to Miller's planet to avoid the time shift on the actual space station and take the ranger down to the planet, get Miller and her samples, come back, analyze and debrief. They agree and Romilly decides he's going to stay behind to research gravity and observe the wormhole. Since for him, they will be on the planet for a couple of years. Cooper, Brand, and Doyle, and Case, another robot that was sent to help them, go down to the planet. Cooper decides to manually, uh, words are hard, manually land like the badass he is to save fuel. And the planet looks to be nothing but shallow water. They go to where the signal is and it's just wreckage. Brand follows the wreckage to grab the recorder and sees the biggest wave I've ever seen in my life. On, I w- we were only watching this movie and I was terrified looking at this fucking wave. It's had to be at least 20 feet tall honestly
1: I'd, I'd say taller than that
0: taller definitely and like before I royally fucked my knees up I used to be a big boogie boarder loved the ocean surfing I loved it um i never
1: you were gonna go pro as a boogie boarder until you hurt your knees
0: <laughs> no I'm just saying I, wow did you not hear the surfing part Dick?
1: <laughs> no, I I couldn't I couldn't I lost focus as soon as you said you used to be a big boogie boarder.
0: <laughs> no, I was a big boogie boarder. Uh body surfing, regular surfing. I loved the ocean. Waves and sharks and shit. That shit didn't scare me, but looking at this thing, terrifying. My legs went weak and I'm sitting on my couch watching a movie. Like Oh, I can't even imagine. I cannot even imagine. Just terrifying. Case saves Brand, but sadly Doyle doesn't make it. The engines of the Ranger get flooded, so they have to literally ride this wave in their little space, tiny little space rocket. Uh, They make it over, but have to wait for the ranger to drain before they can leave, costing them decades of time. Miller's wreckage has survived because of the time slippage. So she has only been on that planet for a couple of hours. She actually probably just died right before they landed there. Uh, Also, this planet, did you watch Hunger, Hunger Games, Catching Fire? did you watch that yeah it reminded me of the arena and they would just like the game makers would make these waves to like take out people that's what it reminded me of
1: i really thought you were going to bring up the point that the actor that plays doyle was in the hunger games
0: i thought about it (laughs) but decided not to Because he does. He he is in Hunger Games and he plays a grade A douche. I was like, oh, <laughs>
1: finally, she's going to mention it. And then you're just like, the, the game makers like make a I was like, OK, like that guy.
0: <laughs> I didn't like his character. And I also don't remember his character's name, but he was pretty insignificant. Right. He was just like a pawn to President of the Hunger snow. Games. Yeah, I thought he
1: was like one of the main people behind the games. It's been a long time since I've seen those.
0: He was like, um, so President Snow was like the big, big honcho. Okay. The reason the games are there. Doyle's character was like the leading man, like the face of it. You know what I mean?
1: So like. Like the Wizard of Oz, where he's the big, green, yes. smoky version, but really the president is the one behind the yes. curtain.
0: he's the one making the decisions, and Doyle's character is the one that executes them.
2: Okay, yeah. yeah.
0: Douchebag still. Didn't like his character in that. That's why I didn't too. bring it up. <laughs> he did have a weird beard. But yeah, that's what it made me think of immediately, the waves yeah (laughs) um cooper is pissed the fuck off because they lost decades on earth Uh, he calls them eggheads with boy scout survival skills and tries to think of a way to gain back the time by jumping through the black hole brand tells him time is relative it can stretch and squeeze but not go back yes matt
1: yeah, I have a fun fact that yes. you're going to like, and I guarantee you, you did not see this or picked up, pick up on this. What is it? So during this scene on the water planet, as soon as they get off the ship and like touch the ground or water, you can hear a ticking sound in the background, which kind of goes to like the beat of the music, which is probably why you didn't pick up on it, which I, I'm just assuming you didn't pick up on it did you i
0: didn't no i have no idea what you're talking about
1: i did i never picked up on it until this time where i didn't even pick up on it this time i saw it in a video that i watched afterwards but the ticking sound happens every 1.25 seconds apart and somebody on the internet realized through some math that every tick sound that you hear while they're on this water planet is equivalent to one day on earth
0: whoa and you
1: hear you hear the ticking sound the entire time they're on the planet
0: that's wild and it was pretty fast because they lose a lot of time on that planet wow that's crazy i do really like that fun fact
1: Maybe, I don't, I don't remember if it was one day or one year. It might have been one. I have one day written down, but it would make more sense if it was one year, but I'm not 100% sure. Still, regardless, cool fact.
0: It is cool fact. I like that. Good job. Good job, buddy. The only thing that can move across dimensions like time is gravity. Cooper is still thinking of a way with the beings that led them there. Maybe they're communicating through gravity from the future, but Brand tells him they are beings of five dimensions. They probably can, but we as humans simply cannot do that. Case warns them that another wave is coming and they get the engines working and barely escape this wave. They make it back to the endurance and are greeted by Romilly, who has been waiting for them for 23 years, four months, and eight days.
1: Two things. I just looked it up, and each tick is equivalent to one day on Earth. Second thing, that man sat there and waited for 23 years, and the only difference in his look is a little gray in his beard.
0: Well, okay, if you're paying attention... Uh, Brand asked him like, "Why didn't you go to sleep, like hibernate?" And he was like, "I did for a stretch of time, but then I s- woke myself up and started to realize like maybe you weren't coming back. So what was the um, point yeah. of constantly sleeping?"
1: He did say that. I forgot about. He that. was
0: yeah. He was ready to die on up there. So
1: th- that makes me wonder because they never say, but that makes me wonder how long he was asleep. I'd imagine it's probably yeah. for many of those years
0: i imagine at least 10 at least 10 if he was 20 if it was 23 years they were gone i imagine he's slept for at least 10 years because he really only has like a beard and like a tiny bit of gray in the beard he doesn't look that old
1: or i know one of the robots went down on the planet with them but was one of the other one or was the other one up there
0: uh, Case went down with them and Tars was up there with Romilly.
1: Okay. So he wasn't yeah. entirely alone?
0: Yeah, not entirely alone, but like without human contact, he was alone. Yeah. Ramalee tells them that he learned everything from the black hole and thought they weren't coming back. And they've been receiving messages from Earth, but they can't send any out to Earth, which I imagine is because they went through this wormhole. They're in a whole different galaxy than the galaxy that Earth is in. So I imagine that's why their messages can't get out. But it's weird that they can get messages.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure how that works. I'd imagine both ways would be pretty hard to send those waves that far apart.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a little weird. Um, Cooper sits down to watch all the messages from his family that were sent over 23 years. All of them are from Tom, showing that he graduated second in school. He got married to Lois. Uh, he had a baby named Jesse. And then, sadly, Donald, Cooper's father-in-law, died. Um, Tom tells him that he buried him next to mom, and then he takes a pause and says, And Jesse, which I did not catch this before. Tom's son died.
1: This was your first time realizing that?
0: Yeah, I must have not been like really paying attention the past previous times I was watching it. I must have been so caught up in the science and shit. But I did not catch that until now that his first son died.
1: What about the line later on where Murph says, are you going to wait for another one of your kids to die?
0: I told you I must have not been paying attention before because this shocked me this time. Apparently not. I must not have. I mean, when this movie came out, you and I were like 13, 14. So, I mean, how much are teenagers really paying attention to a movie like this?
1: (laughs) I mean, I don't know, but I've seen it a few times since then. Also, I don't think I, don't I saw this when it first came out. I think it, it, was, it had been out for two or three years before I ever saw it.
0: Oh, I definitely saw it. Me and my friend were going through this phase where we went to the movies every weekend. We like saw everything that fucking came out. It was wild. I don't know how we had that much money all the time. We were just teenagers. Insane. But yeah, I don't know how I never caught that, but it's very sad. It made me cry. Um, Tom tells him he doesn't think Cooper is getting his messages, so he won't be sending anymore and that he needs to let him go. Uh, The screen goes black, but then there's one more message and it's from Murphy. She's all grown up. She calls him a son of a bitch and says she never left a message while he was responding, because she was so mad at him for leaving. And that was her decision. And then he went quiet, and she had to live with that decision, which she did. But today is her birthday. And it's a special one, because he once told her they might be the same age when he gets back. And that birthday is the age that Cooper left when she was a kid. So she is now the same age as he was when he left. Uh, They are both sobbing at this message while she's recording. And while he's watching, they're sobbing. And she tells him this would be a great time for him to come back and then ends the message. And I had to pause because I was like a little bitch sobbing my eyes out ugly crying (laughs) don't shake your head at me I have feelings okay it's so sad it's so sad he missed her entire life entire life
1: yeah but it is just a movie
0: oh my (laughs) god okay whatever you say buddy Whatever you say. It's a movie that makes you feel things. Give you that. Say that.
1: Like gravity
2: and time.
0: Oh my God. Anyway I'm just gonna roll right over that. (laughs) As like she cuts the message off. This is probably one of the best transitions I've ever seen. The message goes black on his end and Immediately goes to her cutting it off and she gets up and is at NASA and is walking down the hallway with Professor Brand. She's wheeling him down the hallway in his wheelchair. He tells her he knows they're still out there and there's so many reasons why their communications are not coming through. He says he's not sure what he's more afraid of, them never coming back or them coming back to find they failed. Brand tells Murph he hopes to crack the problem before he kicks the bucket and that he's not afraid of death, only time. We then cut to Murphy looking at equations on a blackboard, and she realizes that they've been trying to solve the equation without changing the underlying assumption about time. That means each iteration of the equation they go through is trying to prove its own proof. It makes no sense. It's nonsensical. Brand gets offensive and is wondering if she is calling his life's work nonsense. And she says, no, you've been trying to solve an equation with both arms tied behind your back. And she doesn't understand why. He decides he wants to discuss it at another time, doesn't want anything to do with the conversation, and leaves to go send a message to his daughter. And I am going to let Matt take it from here.
1: All right, so I'm going to start off my portion of the episode with a question. Okay. Was Murph Cooper's favorite child?
0: I think so I honestly think so I really do because she is so much like him I think that's why she was his favorite
1: there I mean I get that she like becomes this crucial character in the story but like they don't hardly hit on Tom at all until later
0: I know (laughs) Tom is literally like left in the dust
1: (laughs) all right so after this little conversation between professor brand and murph professor brand wheels himself down the hallway and we open with the shot of professor brand's daughter i'm gonna call her amelia because that was her first name and that's what they called her and it's not as confusing as calling them both brand Um, We see Amelia sitting in the ship, listening to a recording of her father and the recording says stepping out into our universe. We must confront the reality of interstellar travel. We must reach out beyond our own lifespans. We must not think as individuals, but as a species, do not go gentle into that good night. We cut to Cooper brand and ROM. It's, it's Romley, but I'm going to call him Rom for short because they do it a couple of times in the movie as well. Um, we see the three of them talking about which planet is most suitable. And Amelia wants to go to Dr. Edmund's planet and she calls him by his first name, which is Wolf. And just a quick note. When, she, when they were doing this, I, for whatever reason, thought that Wolf was the first name of Dr. Man. And I was like, oh, that's cool I did too.
0: <laughs> I totally thought that. How cool is that? That's a cool fucking last, not last name, first name. Wolf.
1: Wolf. Wolf. Wolf man is better than Wolf Edmund.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is.
1: <laughs> but uh, Amelia is excited because she loves Dr. Edmund. She wants to see him again. Um. Amelia gets up and leaves, and Cooper tells TARS to chart a course for Dr. Man's planet. Back on Earth, Tom is burning some of his crops while talking to Murph about the crops they'll lose and how he's going to work at another farm. The two head back in the house where they have dinner with Tom's wife, Lois, and their son, Cooper, who I'm just going to call Coop. Because, again, Coop and Cooper... It'd be confusing. There's a lot of repeating names in this movie. Um, Murph doesn't want to stay the night because there's too many memories in the house and Coop is visibly sick from the dust. Back in space, Amelia is mad at Cooper for choosing Dr. Mann's planet and tells him she hopes he's right or he'll have to decide on returning home or pushing on to the next uh, habitable planet with the remaining fuel. At NASA, Murph rushes in where she sees Getty, who's played by Topher Grace, telling her that Professor Brand has been asking to see her. She rushes to him, and he's in an infirmary bed, dying. Murph kneels down to him, and he mumbles, I let them all down, and Murph tries to reassure him that he got them so far, and she'll finish what he started. Professor Brand then tells Murph that he lied to her and Cooper, and that Cooper and the rest of the crew were never meant to return home. Professor Brand dies, and Murph informs Amelia via the little communication transmissions that they've been sending each other. But as she tells her, she can't help but ask Amelia if she knew that they weren't meant to return home, insisting that she knew Lars walks up to the transmission as it plays and the camera just slowly starts turning out the window where we see a ship that is headed towards the cloudy atmosphere of Dr. Man's planet and Cooper, Rahm, and Brand are all in the ship. They break through the clouds to see a barren icy planet. After they land... They get out, walk around, and find a small base that man set up, and they go inside. They release man, who is played by Matt Damon. That was kind of a nice surprise. Would you think yeah. about waiting over an hour to see Matt Damon?
0: It was nice. I liked it. And also, I completely fucking forgot Topher Grace was in this. Oh, I yeah. love him. I-, I can't help but anytime I see him in something, he's Eric. He is Eric Foreman to me. I, <laughs> I thought
1: you were going to say Venom.
0: No, he is Eric Foreman. Even before he was in that terrible fucking Spider-Man three movie, he has always been Eric Foreman to me. In anything he's in, I don't care what character he plays, he's Eric Foreman.
1: <laughs> I think the I think his role as Venom kind of broke that for me.
2: I could see that,
1: but um, so they released Doctor Man from his long sleep chamber and they're shocked that he's still alive man cries upon being released after having waited so long man tells them that he lost all hope he had no resources left and he didn't even set a waking date the last time he went to sleep and then he tells them about the cold stark world that he is on that they sent him to as the crew talks about the planet TARS calls Brand over and shows her the message from Murph. As the message is playing, Cooper walks over to see Murph's transmission and to comfort Brand as um, you know, Murph just informed Brand that her dad died. While they're watching this transmission, it plays the part where Murph asks Brand if she knew that they weren't supposed to return. Cooper clearly had no idea as Brand starts trying to convince him that she had no idea either. While doing this, Mann says that he knows, and then explains that Plan B was always the option since they didn't know for sure, and couldn't know for sure, how Plan A would turn out. As Mann explains this, it seems like neither Cooper, Brand, or Rom knew about this, and Mann tells them, they never would have come unless they believed they were going to be able to save everybody on Earth. And then he tells them that the people of Earth are hopeless and the crew that's right here right now, they're the future. Cooper and Brand are furious and Cooper tells Brand to let him go home. Do you think uh, Amelia Brand knew?
0: Oh, no, she def- you can tell by the look on her face. She had no idea. She had not the slightest clue. And I think her father didn't tell her that the same reason Cooper didn't tell Murphy anything to protect her and to keep her on the mission and maybe to save her because she went out there. So maybe it was like she is going to start the new population. She's going to be okay. And it's, it's just very clear by the look on her face that she did not have the slightest clue. And this planet, this ice planet, I'm sorry, but if plan A worked, honestly, I'd rather die on Earth because I am not living on that fucking ice <laughs> planet. No. Yeah,
1: I would have hated that too. I hate the uh, cold.
0: Yeah, no, not doing it. I will stay in the world bunker whatever the fuck it is better be heated i will stay there for the rest of my life (laughs) because i'm not doing that shit
1: won't be for long with all the crops dying very true so back on earth getty and murph are riding in her jeep talking about the lie that was told to everybody getty asks if the people deserve to know and murph tells him that a panic won't help anything. That they'll have to continue working in the shadows like they have been. Murph has a feeling that might help them. Her ghost. Dun, dun, dun. Um, <laughs> she was never scared of it, but she called it a ghost because it felt like a person who was trying to tell her something. And that if there's an answer to their problem, it's back in that room where her ghost was. We jump back to space where Brand Cooper, and Rom are talking about the return home. Rom suggests taking one last crack at the black hole because it won't cost them any time and it's a chance for the people of Earth. He then suggests sending TARS through the black hole and TARS tells him he'll need the transmitter off of Kip, Dr. Mann's robot who has been decommissioned. They inform Mann that Case will remove some of Kip's components as Cooper tells Mann. He wants to secure some sites for a lab and habitats by nightfall. Man takes Cooper to one of the probe sites where they can set up. On their way, Man tells Cooper that he knows why Cooper wants to return. While the, continu- or while the two continue walking to the site, we get brief shots of Murph and Getty going back to her old house, to her old bedroom. Case lands a ship at a site for Bran to set up a lab as Tars and Rom begin to retrieve Kip's components. Man starts talking to Cooper about how the last thing he'll see before he dies is his kids' faces and how human instinct will kick in and fight harder to survive while Getty takes a look at Lois and Coop's cough back on Earth. Tars has trouble completing Kip's boot-up, And man tells Cooper when he left Earth, he was prepared to die, but he never considered the possibility that his planet wasn't the one. He then removes Cooper's comm device from the back of his helmet, throws it off the edge of a cliff, and then shoves Cooper off of the edge of the same cliff. Dickhead.
0: man is a selfish dickwad. Big time. And also... Tom is a douchebag. Yes. Continue. Both of those are correct.
1: <laughs> just a little different perspective that I literally just put together now. Uh, Dr. Man could be a metaphor for man in general.
0: Yeah. Like selfish and only caring
1: about themselves. Yep. Yeah. So, um, Remember how I told you that I had a a big piece of, like, shit that happens that (laughs) is going to take me a second to get through? Yes. This is it. Yes, it is. (laughs) So I'm just going to rapid fire down this list. If you need anything or anything like that, just raise your hand. Gotcha. All right, here we go. After man pushes Cooper down the hill, he goes sliding down this hill, but is able to stop himself. Man climbs down and tells Cooper he can't let him leave with the ship because he needs it to complete his mission and starts kicking Cooper's hand, but Cooper manages to pull Man down with him, and they both fall to the bottom of this hill. Back on Earth, Tom comes home and finds Getty and Lois, telling him they can't stay here, their condition will only get worse, and then Tom punches Getty and tells him and Murph to leave. Cooper and Man fight over the fact that man's planet isn't actually habitable and man only sent out the beacon so that they would come save him instead of going to a habitable planet. Tom refuses to get his family to safety because this is his home, I guess. Is, was there any reason as to why he wouldn't leave?
0: Um, I took it as him being the typical grown man that has his family on his farm and you're not going to tell him what he's going to do he is going to stay in his house and they're going to die there that's how i took it with him
1: yeah it's i kind of thought the same thing um so man and cooper continue fighting when cooper tries to get man to stop man begins Headbutting Cooper, cracking the glass on his helmet. Murph and Getty leave Tom's house. Cooper's cracked glass in his helmet doesn't kill him, and he starts crawling to his comm device, which is on the ground several yards away. Murph decides to turn around and go back to Tom's house. Cooper reinstalls his comm device and alerts Brandon Case. While driving back, Murph cuts into the cornfields. Brandon Case get in the ship and fly to Cooper's rescue. Tars tells Rom that he needs a person to access Kip. Murph begins dousing the fields in gasoline and sets them on fire. Brandon Case reach Cooper. Tom steps outside to see his fields ablaze and runs to his truck to try to stop it. Rom tries to access Kip, but the data makes no sense to him. Brand gets Cooper back on the ship, saving him. And Cooper apologizes for coming to this planet since man was lying about it being habitable. Brand and Cooper try to warn Rom, but as they're doing this, Kip explodes, killing Rom. Murph makes it to Tom's house, and Tom is gone since he's trying to stop the fire from spreading. Murph runs in to get Lois and Coop. As Brand, Cooper, and Case fly past the ruins of the explosion, Tars comes running out, so they fly low enough to pick him up, and then they all fly away. Murph gets Lois and Coop to car as she checks in on her room one last time. Man has entered the other ship and is attempting to reach the Endurance, which is the ship kind of orbiting this planet's atmosphere that's you know, the thing Connect to the little space station. They try to connect, uh, contact Man and tell him not to dock on the Endurance, but he turns his comms off. Murph grabs the watch that her father left her many years ago from her room, looks at it, and notices that the hands, or at least one of the hands, is going a little haywire. Man attempts to dock the Endurance manually, but ultimately fails due to imperfect contact. Against. All warnings and, you know, Brand and Cooper trying to tell him not to open the hatch and not to dock on the Endurance. He does all this anyways, and the airlock depressurizes and destroys the ship, part of the Endurance, and kills Dr. Mann on a little process. Cooper then immediately tries to dock the Endurance while it's spinning and he is successful
0: that is the coolest shit he has done in this entire fucking movie okay you know how fast that shit was spinning and he was able to precisely lock it onto the thing
1: well he did have help from TARS and the computer system in the ship okay to yes lock on.
0: okay yes but go back Dr. Mann did not successfully lock onto that ship, and that ship wasn't even fucking spinning.
1: Well, that's because he sucks. (laughs) (laughs) And his ship did not have the capabilities to dock via the computer systems.
0: Oh, is that why it didn't? I never understood why it never locked on.
1: Yeah, Cooper says, or one of them say, his ship doesn't have the capability to uh, automatically lock onto the ship. So he has to do it manually. And because it has to have like a perfect connection, doing it manually is basically like impossible.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: So Cooper and Brand, after they dock on the Endurance, they get out and they begin sealing off the part of the ship that was destroyed by man. One thing I liked about the scene is that the only sound you hear during this is Cooper grunting. And that's because in space, you can't hear anything. Yeah. So all the shots where there's no sound is actually really realistic. And I kind of like that touch.
0: I do. I really liked it too. This entire, the whole, them being on the planet with man and man fighting Cooper and then the back and forth between this and Murphy and Tom arguing it was very intense and I was, no matter how many times I watched this movie, I'm always on the edge of my seat, even though I know what's going to happen, I'm still on the edge of my seat.
1: Yeah, that, that whole sequence was like, the reason why I had to rapid fire it like that is because there's shots of Man and Cooper fighting, shots of Rom and, and uh, Tars trying to access Kip, shots of Brandon, Case trying to do their thing shots of of tom and and murph and getty and all them like it's all just it's like quick shots just back and forth in in a rapid succession so it was it pretty cool
0: yeah it's a lot
1: <laughs> yeah it is it was it was hard doing this whole sequence like writing it down because it was like ugh, i gotta stop it go back play it stop it go back play it like just over and over and over
0: yeah i know i was watching this i was like, oh. Thank God I don't have to do this part.
1: (laughs) And this isn't even the last part that's like that. There's another part a little later that kind of does the same thing. It's not as bad as this part, but it still does it.
0: It's like they get to the planet and the rest of the movie is very rapid fire. Boom, 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 boom. All of this is happening all at once.
1: Yeah. So Cooper and Brand are successful in sealing off the sections that they need to. And Case informs them that they're headed towards the black hole. Cooper tells Brand the new plan, which is the navigational hub is destroyed and they don't have enough life support to make it back to Earth. So TARS will take one ship that's connected to the Endurance. Cooper will take one ship and Brand and Case will take one ship as well. And they'll let the black hole kind of pull them in with the engines off just through its, you know, force of gravity and when they get close enough they'll engage all the engines on all the ships and the endurance kind of slingshotting themselves towards edmund's planet while detaching the other ships that are connected in order to drop weight which will just kind of give them that extra little boost and that'll also result in tars going through the black hole while the rest of them continue on past it
0: yes to save fuel so that they can make it
1: So they set this plan in motion, they kind of jettison themselves around this black hole, the extra weight is detached, and Tarzan and his ship kind of just fly back into the black hole, while Brand, Cooper, and Case go around it. The plan was a success, but there was a twist. Cooper left out the part where he detaches his own ship, which would result in Cooper going through the black hole as well, while Brand and Case continue on to Edmund's planet. Brand is not happy about this. She is very upset, and he tells her, you know, the little running joke that they've had where their uh, truth settings are at 90%. Yeah. And he detaches his ship. Which sends him into the black hole. When he enters the black hole, uh, he loses his comms and everything is just black except for a few flashes of light and some like space dust that's hitting the ship. The deeper he goes into it, he's just losing more and more control of the ship. Do you know how like black holes work?
0: No, not entirely. Like, I. I have so many books on the universe and space and I, no matter how many times I try to read them, it's like something just doesn't click in my brain and I just, I can't, I cannot get it.
1: Well, to be fair, nobody truly understands black holes as a whole. Uh, Yeah. I I didn't even mean to do that. But (laughs) anyways, black holes are like one of the coolest if not the coolest thing, in my opinion, to happen in nature naturally. So from my understanding of how black holes work, the gravity that is pulling on the black hole is so strong that not even light, the fastest moving entity in the known universe, can escape it. And after you cross the event horizon, there's no going back here, like you're getting pulled in, end of story and at the very, like, bottom or end of the black hole, there's a singularity that's so small and so dense that space, time, and physics don't even apply anymore.
0: God, that is the coolest fucking shit. Wait
1: wait, Wait till you hear this part, and I don't know how, you know, confirmed this is, if it is or not. Like I said, this is just from my understanding, and I'm not an astrophysicist, so I don't know what I'm talking about, but this is my understanding from what I've looked into about black holes. So obviously nobody knows what happens or how you would die once you go through a black hole. But I think what happens is say you as a person are flying towards a black hole, like your head is on one side, your feet are on the other. Obviously that's how it works. And you're headed towards the black hole, right? If you put a watch on your ankle and a watch on your wrist, what happens is as you get closer to it, it kind of slows you down until it seems like you're not moving at all and you begin to stretch. So if you look at the watch that's on your ankle and you look at the watch that's on your wrist, it's gonna read two different times because you're stretched so far apart. And, it, and you're just gonna keep stretching until your feet like hit the event horizon of the black hole. And as soon as that happens, the rest of you is going to get pulled in towards it so fast that like the stars around you are just going to look like white streaks going across and as you cross through it you're just gonna like your cells are just gonna get shredded apart into nothing
0: that is fucking wild oh my god i (laughs) love space it's not
1: confirmed just my understanding of how it works
0: that's my favorite thing about it is that it's not confirmed and who knows if we'll ever be able to like confirm that's how that works because it's just so beyond our mental capacity and it's so fucking cool to me it is so cool i love it
1: ideally when i die i would like for my body to be sent into a black hole (laughs)
0: that would be dope
1: (laughs) but that's pretty unrealistic
0: please send me into space
1: (laughs) Uh, not even space like i want you to put a lot of money into sending me through a black hole
0: (laughs) (laughs) i want you to go bankrupt to send my dead body through a black hole
1: shit i might even wake up on the other side (laughs) never know anyways back back to this movie back on earth we see tom Trying to put out the fires that Murph started, while she keeps looking through uh, one of the boxes in her old room, we hear Getty start calling out to her from outside. Cooper is still inside this black hole, and he's really struggling with the force that it's that's putting on him in the ship. He begins hearing an alert telling him to eject, so he does, sending him into the dark void. I don't. If I'm in this situation, if I'm Cooper. I don't give a fuck if the ship is telling me to eject. I'm not doing it.
0: Oh, I'm totally ejecting. 100%. Why? You know, he already knew this was going to be a suicide mission. That's why he didn't tell Brand. He knew he was going to die. So, I'm if if I'm conscious and the ship's telling me to eject and I don't know what the fuck's going to happen, I'm going to eject so I can see whatever the hell this is before I die.
1: It's just dark. Like, that's it. I'd rather be in the comfort of the ship and a little, at least a little area where I am familiar with than just in some dark void.
0: That's two different people.
1: (laughs) I mean, think about it. If if he's going to live in this black hole, like it's not killing him immediately, how's he going to die? He's either Mm going to have to take his helmet off or he's going to have to starve to death.
0: Well eventually or, he's gonna run, run out, out of
1: oxygen. Yeah, or run out of oxygen and yeah. suffocate.
0: Which I mean well, is what was gonna happen back on Earth. So
1: not necessarily. I mean you never know.
0: Yes, he, necessarily.
1: No. Okay, maybe. I'm sure yes, he would have died. I literally I'm sure he would have died before then.
0: I explained it in the beginning. The blight thrives on the nitrogen. So the yeah, more Murph, there's blight. Murph the is less an oxygen. old
1: woman. Murph is an old woman.
0: Because she figured it out.
1: She'd have figured it out for for many years. I'm sure that he would have probably died before she figured it out if he had stayed on Earth.
0: No, she figured it out. When she does the Eureka, that's her figuring it out. And then they set the shit in motion, okay? You have to remember, time is different on Earth from Cooper, okay? So she figured everything out. I'm sure that parallel thing that they're all living in now, before they find a new world. She probably she had a family. She had all of her kids in that parallel realm, so she had a life there and grew old there. And then they found Cooper, because time is different.
2: I guess so. <laughs>
1: this movie is just a.
0: It's a mind fuck. It's a total mind fuck.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so Cooper starts, uh, while he's in the black hole still, he starts hurtling towards this massive, round, white object. As he gets closer, he realizes it's more of a three-dimensional grid that's made of lines and squares, and he falls into it. And it actually kind of looks like, at least in my opinion, it looked like he was falling down some kind of warped elevator shaft.
0: Yes, it Kind of reminded me of the um, the like the TVA building in Loki. You know how it's like, oh ginormous. yeah, enormous. Yeah, that's what it, it it gave me visions of.
1: I've I've been to that building, and there, like when you go to the top floor of it, and you look down, the carpet is made it it's like got lines and stuff through it, and it literally looks like you're looking down this thing that that Cooper's in. I'll have to send you the picture of that.
0: Yeah. And post it on Twitter, too.
1: Hold on. I'm writing it down. Okay. So, he eventually comes to a stop, and everything around him looks like millions of lines of all different colors made of flowing light, all just stacked on top of each other. And it's creating these squares and rectangular, or it's creating square and rectangular walls that seemingly repeat forever. Cooper hits one of these weird walls with his hands and realizes that it's semi-pliable and it kind of snaps back in place like a rubber band. He's actually inside a tesseract, not the one from the MCU, a real one. And a tesseract is an enormous, hypercubic grid-like structure and a means of communications for bulk beings to express through gravity with NASA. The bulk beings can perceive five dimensions as opposed to four, able to see every movement in the past, present, and future. So that kind of gives you a little insight on who they are and the thing that he's in. Uh, He moves around one of the walls and sees what looks like a bookshelf. So he starts looking through the gaps between the tops of the books and the bottom of the shelf above them. And he starts hitting the walls of the void that he's in right where the books are until he knocks some of the books off the shelf. And he sees a young Murph brushing her hair, startled by the falling books and her broken lander model. Now, I have in my notes in parentheses, it's about to get trippy it, is. <laughs> it, it, it r-
0: is i'm actually really glad i did not watch this movie stoned because wow <laughs>
1: like if you thought what i just explained was weird this next shit's about to be even weirder
0: <laughs> yes
1: so we cut back to an adult murph setting the broken lander back on the shelf where it used to be when she was a kid He begins calling out to young Murph as she looks at the shelf, but she can't hear him, and she eventually turns around and walks away. Cooper, I have in my notes Cooper Beings looking. (laughs) (laughs) Cooper begins, I'm assuming, looks around the Tesseract and sees Murph's room again. This time, a few seconds behind the one that he was just looking at, and he starts crying a little. He continues to look through the Tesseract, and the whole thing seems to be made of Murph's room from different points in time. It jumps between shots of young Murph barricading her door when Cooper went to say goodbye to her, and shots of adult Murph in the same room thinking about how to solve their crisis. Cooper sees himself, uh, and he begins to start screaming, you know, don't go! And then tries to send a Morse code message by pushing out uh, some books off the shelf. And these are the same books that he pushes out, or that the ghost, quote unquote, pushes out to make a Morse code message. And he spells out the word stay in Morse code. Adult Murph begins pulling out the same books while trying to figure everything out. Cooper sees the moment he went into Murph's room to tell her goodbye right before he leaves for his mission he cries out to murph trying to get her to stop him from leaving adult murph seems to be onto something and uh she starts flipping through her old notebook cooper starts banging on the wall screaming no as he watches his past self leave murph's room he actually knocks a book off the shelf which catches the attention of his past self but not for too long because he leaves anyways adult murph has a moment of realization She looks up at the bookshelf and says, it was you. You were my ghost. As she begins to tear up and laugh or laugh softly. And the thing that I mentioned earlier, back when you were still narrating the story, uh, when Cooper leaves for his mission, he tells Murph, when you become a parent, you become the ghost of your kid's future. That was hardcore foreshadowing for him being her ghost.
0: Yes. Yeah. He, it's, it's really like blows my brain because it's, it's like this never ending loop of like him being the one that leads them to do this. I don't, my brain can't understand it.
1: You know, that actually wasn't the first little sign of foreshadowing that they gave us about Cooper being the ghost. There's one before that, you know what part I'm talking about? uh no uh at the very 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 beginning of the movie when cooper's having the nightmare about his uh crash and yeah murph comes in the room she says something like i thought you were a ghost or something like that
0: she does she says i thought you were the ghost (gasps) he was the ghost
1: two signs of foreshadowing
0: oh so good such a good movie
1: Cooper suddenly starts hearing some distorted noise coming from his columns. Turns out to be TARS trying to reach Cooper. Cooper is shocked that TARS survived the trip through the black hole. And TARS tells him, somewhere in their fifth dimension, they saved us. And Cooper asks who the hell they are and why they would want to help them. TARS tells him he doesn't know, but they created a three-dimensional space in their five-dimensional reality to allow Cooper to understand it. Cooper is still confused, and TARS tells him that he can see time as a physical dimension, and that he can exert a force across space-time through gravity to send a message to Murph. Cooper asks TARS if he has the quantum data, and TARS says he does, and he's transmitting it on all wavelengths, but nothing is getting out. Cooper is still determined to get the data to Murph, uh, but TARS doesn't see a point. TARS tells Cooper, they didn't bring us here to change the past. Cooper tells TARS to repeat that, so he does. And Cooper says, no, they didn't bring us here at all. We brought ourselves. He starts moving through the test rack and asks TARS to give him the coordinates for NASA in binary. He sees Murph's open window during the dust storm with dust blowing in through the window. And begins making a message in the dust. Turns out to be the coordinates from earlier in the movie. And Cooper realizes they didn't choose him, they chose Murph to save the people of Earth. Good good stuff. Anything to add?
0: Um, it's just it's it's great, and it's also like a total mind fuck to me, because like they brought themselves, but also Who is they that chose Murph? Like, why is this Tesseract her bedroom? I don't get that.
1: Well, he kind of explains it in a minute. Okay. So he flies through the Tesseract and starts realizing more and more about the situation. He has to find out how to tell Murph, and he chooses to do it through the watch that he gave her uh, right before he left for his mission. Getty starts calling out to Murph, and now he can see Tom driving back towards the house, and she tells him she's coming down. She picks up the watch right before she leaves the room and realizes that the watch going haywire is actually a Morse code message that Cooper is trying to send her from the Tesseract. Tom pulls up. Getty has a tire iron in his hand prepared to fight Tom. As Tom gets out of the truck, Murph runs out of the house telling him, he came back. She tells Tom that it was their dad the whole time and he's going to save them. And then she hugs him. I'm surprised Tom was like, so cool about this situation and not like, what the fuck are you talking about? Get out of here.
0: Do I Honestly, because like, if you notice, he doesn't really hug her back. And I think at that point, he's like, my sister has literally lost her marbles. Like, Especially with how aggressive he was earlier with we're not leaving our house. We're staying here. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like maybe they ran out of time to show that his progression of accepting that, or if he ever accepts it, it, it was odd.
1: Or maybe she saw the, he saw the passion in her when she was willing to burn his food supply just to evacuate his family and whatnot.
0: That is true, because that is like the, their last. Like, they're running on very few crops now.
1: We cut to Murph looking at the watch and writing down the code that Cooper is sending her. She goes back to NASA and begins to work with the code Cooper gave her, and it turns out to be the quantum data from TARS. Murph and Getty run to the edge of one of the floors at NASA. Murph throws a handful of papers off the balcony and shouts, Eureka, before telling Getty that it's just a tradition. She then kisses him, and they laugh about it, and then we go back to Cooper inside the Tesseract. Tars tells Cooper he thinks it might have worked because the Bolt beings are closing the Tesseract. Cooper tells Tars they're not beings, it's them one day an evolved people could form the Tesseract as we see the Tesseract closing in on itself. That's kind of like the explanation that I think. It's them, when they say them, they're referring to humans of the future who are able to create this Tesseract that does not really apply to the laws of time that we know. Why they chose Murph? It's it's a weird thing to grasp. But like they're peop- they're the people of the future, right? They already know that Murph Cooper was the one who kind of solved the crisis and figured out how to save everybody. So they send this tesseract back and open it up so that Cooper can go through it, give her the data that she needs in order to save said people
0: oh my god my head is like splitting like i i i I can't i cannot grasp it like i don't the people of the future i don't i don't understand i don't it doesn't make
1: sense because like they're the people of the future that hasn't happened yet so how would they know yeah since it hasn't happened yet it I mean, it doesn't matter, like, all the shit that we've seen between the black hole, the ice, or the water planet, this Tesseract, the laws of time don't apply the same in every situation.
0: Okay, yeah, when you explain it like that, it makes a little bit more sense. Pretty much, like, nothing makes sense, and that's okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah. So after the Tesseract collapses in on itself, after the bulk beings closed it, uh, everything goes white and we hear Cooper ask, what happens now? As we fade back into the endurance that's traveling through the wormhole from earlier, uh, Cooper kind of heads towards it and he sees a distorted brand looking at him in disbelief. She reaches out and kind of just touches him and her hand becomes all distorted. And we realize that it's the same shot from earlier in the endurance when she reached out and touched this like clear, this, this visible, clear disruption. Yeah. I don't even know how to describe it.
0: Yeah. That's why I kind of didn't really bring it up. Cause I don't even know how to put that into words. It's like a distorted figure type thing
1: but it's invisible and you can only see it because everything behind it is distorted yeah black fun fact black holes work the same way they're actually invisible too and the only way we can see it is from the shit behind it like the stars going like around it and because yeah like, if you notice how, like, if a, if this is a black hole and you see, like, a star that's, like, kind of looks like it's going towards it, but it's, like, way in the background, it kind of, like, goes around the black hole instead of just passing straight by it. It's weird. It's weird to explain. And also, we can see, like, the space dust and shit kind of making a ring around it and quasars, which are just beams of light that come out of the black hole. Anyways, it cuts to Cooper... Unconsciously floating through space uh, with Saturn in the background, and in the distance, a ship is approaching. Cooper then wakes up in a hospital bed, and the doctor tells him to take it slow because despite looking the same age when he left, he's actually 124 years old. Cooper gets up, looks out the window, and sees people playing baseball in a field nearby. And as he continues to look up, he notices that the earth around him begins to like curve up and all the way around, doing like a 360 degree kind of thing. And he asks the doctor where he is. And the doctor says, Cooper Station, currently orbiting Saturn. Cooper repeats, Cooper Station. Nice of you to name it after me. The nurse in the background giggles, and Cooper asks why. And the doctor tells him that it's not named after him. It's named after Murph. Cooper asks if she's still alive and the doctor tells him she'll be here in a couple of weeks. She's far too old to transfer between stations. But as soon as she found out that he'd been found, she's doing it anyways.
0: I thought it's hilarious that like the doctor tells him he's like, well, you know, Murph, like she's she's not going to do what anybody tells her to do. She's going to do what she wants to do, which I like. And I like that she is like the head honcho of all of this because she is the one that figured it out. So she deserves to be the head honcho.
1: Yep. And just for visual aid, Cooper Station looks like this really long tunnel that has, like, grass fields and buildings that go all the way around the tunnel. So it's, it's kind of like, I don't even know how to describe it beyond that. It's just a long tunnel that the land goes 360 degrees around.
0: Yeah, it's like you can't even describe it <laughs> without visuals. It's insane.
1: And if you're wondering how that works, they're on a fucking space station orbiting saturn i'm sure that gravity over there probably doesn't work the same as it does on earth so they're able to build shit upside down in the tunnel that's and
0: he sent her the data from the tesseract which was that parallel dimension of like everything everywhere so she used that data to create that station
1: yeah exactly yeah so, the next scene opens up with a NASA employee showing Cooper to his old house, um, which was brought from Earth to Cooper Station, right? It was brought, like, it's the same house, brought to...
0: Yes, I'm pretty sure they, because uh, they built that station on Earth, so I'm pretty sure they took that house and moved it. And just, like, replaced all the stuff inside. If it was, like, broken and shit, they replaced it to, like, how it ex- it looked when he left.
1: Right, that's how I took it, too. Um, and they've, they've turned the, his old house into a little miniature museum. Cooper looks through his old house and finds a broken-down tars covered by a tarp. Uh, we cut to Cooper sitting at the kitchen table at night working on tars. Cooper sets the honesty setting to 95%, which is 5% higher than it was before and the humor setting to 75 which is 5% higher than he set it originally right i then then he set it to 70
0: okay so originally i believe tars was sent to like 90 no 80 something percent humor and then like as he's like like when he first meets tars it's like 80% humor and he's like, okay, knock it down a little bit, knock it down a little bit. And then he sets it when he's putting him back together. He sets it to 75. TARS makes a joke being like, um, initiating self-destruct in three, two, and Cooper's like, okay, 65%. And then he tries to tell a knock knock joke and he's like, you want 55?
1: <laughs> yep. I had all that written down.
0: Oh, my bad. Um,
1: <laughs> no, thanks Thanks for covering it. You saved me a solid line here. Somebody needs to turn your humor setting down to 60%. <laughs> oh, wait.
0: Somebody there needs to turn yours up because you suck.
1: Good one. <laughs> Later, Cooper is sitting on his front porch drinking a beer and Tars walks up and asks if this is what it was really like. Cooper tells him it was never this clean and that he doesn't care much for pretending that they're back where they started. He wants to know where they are and where they're going. After some time, Cooper goes to the hospital where he's greeted by an employee who tells him the family's all in there. Cooper walks into this room and finds it full of people all standing around a bed where a very old Murph is lying down. He walks up to Murph, tells her that it was him, All along, he was her ghost. She tells him she knows, but no one ever believed her. And she shows him that she's still wearing the watch that he gave her when she was a kid right before he left. She tells him she knew he'd come back because of the promise he made her so long ago. And she also tells him that no parent should have to watch their child die. She has her kids here now, and she tells Cooper to go find Brand. Was this underwhelming to you?
0: A little bit like you missed your daughter's entire life, and she's just okay with it. She's like, "Go, leave, go back out into space, go back out on this space mission."
1: But it's not in like a an, a an angry, aggressive kind of way. It's like she has more understanding and more forgiveness now.
0: Yes. Yes, it's just like, you just got him back. Don't you want to spend your last remaining days with him? But I understand where she's coming from, because Brand is out there alone. Who knows if she's dead? Who knows?
1: Yeah, um, they said that Edmund died somehow. They didn't ever really go into it, but she's out there by herself. So... We see Brand on her planet, while a voiceover of Murph says she's out there, setting up camp alone in a strange galaxy. Back at NASA, we see an employee closing down a hangar for the night. As he passes by, Tar slowly rises up behind him and flips a switch, letting Cooper in. Cooper is wearing a spacesuit, waiting for the door to open. Cooper and TARS get in one of the ships as we hear Merce's voiceover continue. But maybe right now she's settling in for the long nap by the light of a new sun. Cooper and TARS prepare to take off into space. We jump to a shot of Brand taking off her helmet on her planet. Uh, Back at NASA, the same employee walks back through the hangar again and sees that one of the ships is now missing. As we go back to Brand, walking to her camp. While Murph's voiceover says, "In our new home,
2: Interstellar."
0: <laughs> um. Okay, so basically, she makes it to Edmund's planet, right? The one that she wanted to go to in the first place. Right after Miller's, she wanted to go. No, she wanted to go to Edmund's before Miller's. Okay. They all told her no, because it was the least promising. All right. She makes it to Edmonds, takes off her helmet out of her compound, which means there is oxygen on this planet. We can breathe without a helmet. It looks like there's agriculture there so we can plant things. I'm sure there's probably water there. And you see like this whole compound of like lights and stuff. So Edmund died somehow, but is somebody else there too? Because there's all this other stuff, unless she was the one that set that up. I don't know. But basically, if he listened to her in the first place, none of this shit would have happened. They would have found the world that they would be inhabiting. Right? Well,
1: Well, that is a fair point. Had they just done that in the first place? this movie would have been very different and a lot shorter.
0: (laughs) It would have, it would have, but it's just crazy to think about like, damn, she was right in the very beginning. And I think because she says something about, yes, she was in love with Edmund and yes, see the chance of seeing him again, excited her. So that's why she wanted to go to this planet and like, maybe we should trust love and then cooper comes to that realization while he's in the tesseract explaining tars uh about murphy and everything he knows that murphy's going to get it because of love so is the overall lesson of this movie to follow your heart
1: i i don't know that's a for <laughs> Rolling question
0: <laughs> i feel like it is because if they had followed brand because she was following her heart they would have found the world that would be the new earth and cooper followed his heart to murph which caused them to be able to save the human race on this planet on the space station not the planet the space station that murph built So I feel like that was like the underlying lesson of this movie.
1: I could see that. I could see it.
0: Yeah. I wish they would have made another movie. Because I would have loved to see his Uh, journey to finding Bran.
1: I don't think they should have. I think it's fine the way it is. Really? Yeah. If you make a second one, you just take the, the risk of ruining it as a whole.
0: I could see that, but I would have loved to see um him finding brand and them getting everybody back to this planet and setting up the news. But you don't need
1: that. You don't need that.
0: Yeah, you're you don't need you're
1: that. you what you want is two plus two equals four. What they gave us was two plus two, but we all know two plus two equals four. Yeah. So there's no point in making a second one.
0: I understand that, but I still would have liked to see it. And I, I'm sorry, I'm a hopeless romantic, so I would have loved to see Cooper and Brand get together. I would have loved to see that. Officially.
1: Do you really have to see it, though, or can you just imagine it?
0: I can imagine it. I'm just saying I would like to see it.
1: Well, too bad. Christopher Nolan's (laughs) not making a second one. (laughs) Well, he should. He's not gonna. It was good enough on its own. Okay. I have two facts and a question. Okay. First fact, Christopher Nolan did not use CGI for the cornfields. He actually planted 500 acres of corn for this movie
0: what yep that's wild
1: um this isn't the question but i'm gonna phrase this next fact as a question at first what is cooper's first name
0: do we know i don't think we're ever told his first name we
1: are never told cooper's first name
0: yeah they always refer to him as coop or cooper
1: i like to imagine it's cooper cooper (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's got to be some like manly name i don't know definitely yeah. not matthew
1: but just a fun fe- oh the <laughs> motherfucker's name is matthew mcconaughey you're <laughs> like what do you mean
0: <laughs> that was just me trying to take a dig at you
1: <laughs> okay well the question that i have this is the last little bit that i have If you had a robot like TARS or Case, what four-letter word or name would you name it? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Loki. Really? Yeah. (laughs) What would you name yours?
1: I would kind of mix um, TARS and uh, KIP, and I would go with CAR, but spell it K-A-R-R.
0: What about tip?
1: No, I'm not naming the thing tip. That's weird. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, car. It's not a car.
1: I'm not spelling it C-A-R. I'm spelling it K-A-R-R.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: It's better than Loki.
0: Basic. No, it's not. Did you just call me basic? Oh, my God. You're basic. Oh, my basic. God.
1: I've seen, th- seen Marvel movies. I'm going to name my robot Loki i hate you (laughs) fuck off (laughs) got anything else to add to that anything else to mention bring up ask talk about
0: i don't think so no
1: well then i think this wraps up interstellar
0: yeah it was a great fucking movie A, a true masterpiece.
1: I just asked if you had anything else to say and you said no. So we're ending the podcast right now.
0: My fucking world bad. Music, Damn.
1: Music.
2: It's your turn <laughs> to do the outro. <laughs>
0: if I thought that. Okay. Um, okay, hold on. Okay. PBS
1: Kids. Brought Brought to you by viewers like you or some shit. <laughs> 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 I forget how that thing goes.
0: Yes, kids. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember how it goes either. Um. Anyway, that's Interstellar. Uh. Thanks for listening to this very long, bumpy <laughs> recording. Because <laughs> wow, we went off the rails there quite a bit um you can follow us on twitter and instagram at variant vendetta and find us on any podcast platform thanks Thanks for for listening listening.
1: also don't forget to add us on twitter about your favorite conspiracy theory that you actually believe
0: yes we really want to know that
1: yes okay bye.
0: bye bye